You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this very, very special edition of Talking Arsenal, we've got the band back together. Uh, they've been podcasting the last few weeks. I unfortunately haven't been able to make it, which has been a bit of a kick in the balls because I do look forward to talking to you guys on a Monday night about all things Arsenal and I uh, can't wait to get stuck into the weekend's game and what we learnt really from Arsenal's trip to Anfield. Joining me on the panel this evening, the tactical mastermind, Graham Brooks. How you doing, sir? Very well, mate. Great to be back. Good to have you back, mate. Because see a big smile on your face as well, which is good considering the results. So uh, always great to see. Uh, the Cheese King, Mark. How you doing, mate? Yeah, got the right arm. No cheese. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Uh, lack Brexit? of planning. <laughs> Brexit, yeah. Blame Brexit. <laughs> corona. Blame Corona. I have got a pot of sweets, so we're all Oh, good. there you go. Good alternative. Uh, also joining us, Dan Potts. How you doing, mate? Very well. Cheers, bud. Very well. Um, it's good to see Graham's got a headset now. I didn't think it looks like he's about to get in an aeroplane, mind you, but it's good to see that he's got a headset on, mate, because, you know, the old audio is always good with Graham. It's always echoey in that kitchen of his. So, now it's good to is see you. Is good tonight? No, nah, it's all good, Graham. I'm only mucking around, bro. Yeah, no, good to see you all, boys. <laughs> yeah, good to have you back, mate. And, of course, Mr Lee Judges. How are you, sir? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. All good. Um, got over the weekend. Um, and we move on, Harry. We move on. We do indeed. Let's let's start off by talking a little bit about the game. I, I realised that a couple of days have passed uh, since Arsenal's trip to Anfield. Graham... A lot of people, it felt to me, were kind of waiting in the wings to come out and hammer Arsenal uh, for the performance and, and the subsequent result at Anfield. I've got to be honest, I haven't been too disheartened by it because I think I understand where we're actually at and that there's still a lot of work to do. What were kind of the main takeaways for you from the trip to Anfield? And has that been enough to kind of derail your optimism that's kind of been building over the last few weeks? Uh, I thought the uh, result was palatable. Uh, it felt different from previous batterings we've had at Anfield. I didn't think the performance was good enough. I'll be absolutely honest with you. I didn't think the performance was good enough. Uh, my main takeaways from the game was that uh, we went there. We were very brave on and off the ball. Uh, we played out from the back, which is very risky against the best, the best counter-pressing team in Europe. And we uh, played out from the front. Um, we were in the game for 35, 40 minutes playing that way, uh, I thought. Uh, we offered a, a slight threat in the first half on the right-hand side, but slowly but surely Liverpool took over. I think they were taking over even before the clock Arteta spat. Uh, I think Liverpool play off the energy of the crowd. I think last season they'd lost a lot of home games with no crowd in there, that's telling. But once the crowd got behind them, they went up a level. I think the young group, it was a very young group, I think equipped themselves well for 40 minutes. We conceded that bad goal at the end of the first half. Came out second half. Liverpool, I think, uh, went up a gear in the second half with their pressing. What they do quite cleverly is they, they wait for weakness. They just pounce 
uh, on any weakness. Um, and I think that at the start of the second half, I think the telling part was Sambi's inexperience showed. Uh, he, he was reasonably okay in the first half, but he got a little, trying to force the game, I thought, a little bit second half. He made one or two misplaced passes. Uh, Liverpool nearly got in. Uh, and I think um, the moment they nearly got in, I think uh, we panicked a little bit. Uh, Tavares made a, a bad mistake, and it was always a difficult choice for Arteta whether to play Tavares or Tierney. He went with Tavares. His inexperience there, probably a game too far for him, although I can understand why he played him. Once they got the second goal, I thought the game was over. Um, and then the game became everything that the previous Arsenal Liverpool games have always been stretched with massive spaces between our defence and midfield. They exploited the space uh, uh, and scored a third goal, a brilliant third goal when uh, ben, White, ben White was outrun by uh, Mane across for Salah. Uh, I thought first half we managed them really well, the way that we pressed them. We stopped them playing out to Fabinho. Um, it was key to the way they build up. We, we sort of like got really compact in midfield, denied them space. I think we doubled up on their right side against Salah. We pushed Salah and Mane back. Salah and Mane liked to play high, come alive around the penalty box. We pushed them back to the halfway line. They weren't in much joy. But ultimately, I think it's very hard to play that way for 90 minutes. I think in hindsight, I think we needed a third midfielder in there. I think Lacazette, for all the good work he did in uh, tagging onto Fabinho in that sort of pressing role he played, and he did play in one nice ball for Aubameyang. I just think if you go to Liverpool, you're not going to survive 90 minutes unless you get some sort of control in central midfield, and we never had that. I thought Thomas Partey didn't look fit. I think he didn't get grab hold of the game by the scruff of neck with any progressive passing. And slowly but surely, Liverpool took over. But what I took out of it was was that these young players, unlike some of the previous group who've been there and battered, can learn from it and can grow. So, yeah, the result was... I think they brutally punished us, Harry. And I think I think that the young group will learn from that. Uh, and, yes, we're getting criticised, another batter in Anfield, but I think it seemed different this time, albeit the same result. Mark, we all know that a football game is is much longer than 39 minutes, which is what Arsenal lasted at, at Anfield. But was there enough on show for you to to be, I'm not going to say positive, because I don't think you can be completely positive coming away with a, you know, a 4-0 defeat. But was there enough for you to show some progress, even if it wasn't enough? Um, difficult question, that, because... Uh, the scoreline wouldn't suggest so, would it? You know, losing by four is never acceptable um, anywhere, any time. But they're capable of doing that to any team on the planet, aren't they? They're one of the best. They're the benchmark. They are in their pomp. Um, Van Dyke's back. I'd like to see the stats on how they've been performing since he's returned fully fit to the side. Once again... Uber doesn't get a look in. Um, you know, they've got his number, Liverpool. Uh, seldom does well against them. Um, you know, they don't They don't have to worry about an aerial threat from Uber because uh, I think he only scored something like four or five, six goals with his head in the 70-odd goals that he scored for Arsenal, whatever the stats are. It's something silly like that. You know, it's less than 10%, certainly. So they almost know um, 
he's going to, you know, to be effective, he's got to get the ball to his feet. So easy to mark for Van Dijk. He was very good with the ball at his feet, very quick across the ground, etc. So, yeah, I mean, positives take away. Lessons learned, I think the podcast should have been called. A lot of young players with a lot of potential. And as Graham rightly says, getting beat 4-0 with a team of 30-year-olds, no one learns anything from that. No one can uh, take anything away from it. Do you know what I mean? It's too late. But Tavares certainly uh, will learn to calm down and and, uh, do some more sensible things. And uh, I think he tried to overcompensate because of his mistake, to be honest. And that actually led to the second and possibly the third goal. So he had a bit of a shocker. Um, But... You know, inconsistency with young players is is what you get, isn't it? We know this. So, look, we didn't expect to get anything from it. I think we sat here, didn't we, before the international break and said, don't get thumped. I think deep down we all knew that there was a high possibility that we would. Um, And that's a real shame. Uh, It's a real shame. But when you're 2-0 down and you're chasing a game, the third and the fourth will always come because of out of position, do you know what I mean? Because you're taking gambles that you wouldn't have took at 1-0. So, yeah, it, it wasn't flattering, um, but it was what we deserved. But positives, Ramsdale is a beast. Um, the young players will have learnt some serious lessons about playing at, at, at that fortress, um, that historical great ground. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we have to take it. it. It's how you react, isn't it? That, that's the key. It's how that's you the react. Biggest thing. Yeah, that, that that's the big thing. And, and Dan, um, I, I was actually, I, I know you've got questions over Arteta and I know that you haven't always, you know, been his biggest fan, but I was quite refreshed to see you on social media being one of the people that was saying to people kind of calm down. This is not a game that our season's going to be defined by. I mean, that is the sensible way to look at it, surely. I think so, Harry. And um, I actually look at the game on Saturday night, taking all the emotion away from it. Myself and Lee judges were there. When you come back and, you know, you get back to get back home, look at the game again. It's quite simple why we lost that game. I'm with Graham. Mistakes cost us. Yeah. That's basically what the match was. We made mistakes and Liverpool capitalised on it because they're a world-class side. Now, actually, when you look at Liverpool, they weren't exactly playing world-class football up until this game because, obviously, they were disappointed to lose to West Ham. Brighton caught them out. They'd obviously drew at Brentford previously as well. I tipped them to win the league again this season because I think they've got the best eleven. but actually, they don't have the best squad. But Chelsea and Man City do. Apologies, my lights are flickering, by the way. I'm at my parents and these lights keep going on and off. So I'm either a silhouette or I'm, I'm lit up. Um... But I look at I look at the situation at, at what what happened with that first goal. Aubameyang's poor free kick was a bad mistake, and Gabriel lost the shortest man on the pitch. That was a mistake. So both those mistakes cost us. We actually kept them fairly quiet. I thought for the first thirty minutes, I thought we had a game plan. It seemed to be working. We looked to match them up, not just man for man, but actually physically. I thought we actually outbattled them and outmuscled them in certain areas of the pitch. But what you must say is that Ramsdale had to pull off two or three fantastic saves at nil-nil anyway. So Liverpool were probably on top if you look at it that way. I think they're a better side than us. I'm not going to start losing my head. The only thing I was embarrassed about, Harry, was the fact that when we went 2-0 down, which yet again was another mistake from Nuno Tavares, I looked at the manager and thought, now what are you going to do? 
because you've got to try and shut up shop now to prevent this being four or five nil. And I didn't see enough from the manager in terms of a reaction. Now, sometimes I might sit there and think, what was he supposed to do? <laughs> but I would have liked to see something happen, something change, change of formation, bring somebody on, try not to get embarrassed because it looked like they were on top. When you gift Liverpool goals, they're going to punish you. Uh, sorry, when you uh, gift uh, Liverpool chances, they're going to punish you. And when it got to that stage, I thought, wow, we are in serious trouble here of being embarrassed. And unfortunately, that's what happened. I look at Nuno Tavares and Lokonga, and I think if Granit Xhaka and Kieran Tierney would have been in that side, yes, they might not have been as give, put, given away as uh, those particular mistakes. But I've seen Kieran Tierney, who is my favourite player, make mistakes. And I've certainly seen Granit Xhaka make mistakes as well. So it doesn't oh, mean... Man, I thought you were going to players. praise him for a minute. I was about to hit the <laughs> 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 yeah, don't worry about it for a minute. <laughs> no, no, don't, get, don't, don't, don't think that I'm going to change. I've always been consistent steady, on that. Guy. So the way, I, the way I see it is, what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is I've seen a lot of fans say if Granite Chacker was in the midfield, we wouldn't have lost the game. I think that's nonsense. I've seen people say if Tierney was playing at left-back, we wouldn't have lost the game. Do you know what? We probably would have defended a bit better if Kieran Tierney was there. I said I would have played Kieran Tierney in this fixture because I feel like he would have dealt with Mo Salah better. I still stand by that. But Nuno Tavares, he got given the nod and you can't say he didn't deserve to start because he's been exceptional. I don't think that Lokonga had a, had a particularly good game, but I also don't think Thomas Partey looked fit enough because I thought he was woeful. So if Granit Xhaka and Tierney would have been in that team, Aubameyang still would have given away the free kick. Gabriel still would have lost his man. And then we still would have been, you know, goals down with the lack of defending, defending that we did later on in the game. So I think it was just men versus boys in the second half. And unfortunately for me, the biggest negative, Harry, is Arteta's substitutions being so predictable. Erdegaard coming on all the time, changes our shape when he brings him on for Lacazette, who I thought was probably one of our better players, but doesn't seem to be able to last 65 minutes. And then Elneny and Maitland-Niles coming on because we lost the midfield battle, prevented Martinelli and Pepe coming on when I thought Saka looked absolutely knackered and was by far one of the worst players on the pitch. He looked timid to me. He looked like he was too weak and didn't really get into the game. So those were the kind of main the main ones really for me I, I'm not losing my head over this game I was a I was a disappointed to get embarrassed but I don't feel like on the back of what Lee Judges said in terms of a free hit which I you know I understand what he meant I think the words were probably used a bit differently but actually it doesn't change our league position it's not going to define our season and if we beat Newcastle we're right back in the mix for a race for top four yeah completely agree with with well I agree with a lot of that the, the one bit I think that I slightly disagree with is is the criticism of the manager's substitutions. I think Lokonga had to come off. I think he was having a, a really difficult time. I think Partey had to come off because he's not fit. He wasn't fit from the start. Um, but we we tried it. We persisted with him. He came off. It was a like-for-like -like change. And the game was done and dusted by the time Elneny was brought on uh, anyway. So I think for me, th there's a fine line. And, I, and I'll come to you, Judge. You know, You've got a coach who's trying to blood through a group of young players. We're talking about mistakes from a 21-year-old and a 22-year-old when you're talking about Lekonga and Tavares, you know, two players that probably were among those that struggled most. I think, first of all, you can accept those mistakes a little bit easier, can't you, when they're from young players rather than 31, 32-year-olds who have been doing it for years. But secondly, yeah. as a manager, surely you almost saying that we're going to abandon the principles that I'm trying to implement is kind of like saying, well, it's kind of, you know, we, we played in a brave way. I thought from the start, as Graham said, but if you then 
switch that and, and move away from your philosophy because you've made a couple of mistakes. Isn't that kind of showing to the players, judge, that you're not sure about it yourself? Does he have to kind of stick to his guns to a degree? No, I, I disagree with that. Like sometimes if it's not working, change it up. You've got to be flexible. I think you've got to be flexible in your lineup. Sometimes you've got to be flexible in in the way you play. Like, you know, they were pressing us. And we couldn't break the press, you know, all credit to them. So change it. You know, go long a couple of times. Mix it up a little bit. Like, and I didn't think that we'd done that. You know, a little bit... If I'm anything, I'm just disappointed the way that the outcome come. You know, a couple of things really annoys me a little bit when people turn around and say, "Oh, it's um, it's uh, if it weren't for the goalkeeper, if it weren't for Ramsdale, it would have been five, six, seven. Well, what's he there for? What is he there for? Is he not? Is he there to let goals in, or is he there to save them? So if he's saving them, he's doing his job. You know, what I mean, he made one world class save from. Um, Yossa. The others ones were routine saves. I think he should have got, should have got like, you know, made a mistake on one, I felt, when he fumbled it. Um, and, you know, people have, have, have said, you know, um, he may, might have been able to get the, the Mane one. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, you know, so you, you look at it like that. But that, that frustrates me, like, you know. The thing is, when I, when I said about the free hit, and I'll still stand by it, you know, it's not a free hit as light as a game of, of, of a free hit. Like, it's a free hit. Uh, as far as I was concerned, West Ham had lost. So we were still, whatever happened, we were still going to be in fifth place. Now, if we'd have won it, we'd have been level with West Ham. So that was my point of it. Like, So we, we went into that game and if we'd, we, we, was, whatever happened, we was going to stay in fifth in the league. Also on top of that, guys, is that, you know, all the teams in and around us, we've been to Manchester City and we've been to Liverpool, you know, and we're three points off the top four. Our, whether you whether you like this or whether you don't, um, we are not competing with those front for the top three at the moment. That's just you know, and as soon as we realise that, the better. We're not we're not in that league at this moment. That is the benchmark. That is what we're aiming to get. What we're actually doing at the moment is in and around it from those other parts. And and at this moment in time, we're we're not far off of it. We're three points. So I look at it and I think to myself, right, okay. Anybody, anybody was everybody like that. This, this, this thing about the, the Mikel Arteta haters at this moment in time, right? Did it that they're expecting us to win that game? Then are they right? Uh, and then when we when we win it, when we lose it, we're crap. So why are you expecting us to win it in the first place if we're crap? You know what I mean? Like, and we've got a rubbish manager. You know, th this this is it. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this now. I don't care. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm fed, fed up with going to Anfield and getting stuff, guys. I'm fed up with it, right? But for 40 minutes, or even a in at half time, for the first time at half time for a long while at Anfield, right? We we was in with a chance of um of the game. When who was the last team to beat Liverpool away? Does anybody know? And when was it? Watford, isn't it? How long ago? But they ended their unbeaten. They lost. They lost no, a few that, that games was, at home. That was the Vicarage Road. When was they, they lost a few games at home in the um in the league last season? Didn't they? When during the COVID pandemic when at Van the beginning. Dijk, COVID, yeah. Van Dyke was, was out. Right, Van so, Dyke was out when they and they lost the line. Yeah, you know what I mean. So when they had their Van Dyke back, you know, the, the, not many teams go to Liverpool and win, guys. Not many teams go, you know, so I don't really expect us to go there and win the game. But what I did expect was to put up a better performance than we did in the second half. We didn't. 
we let ourselves down a little bit, like you know. But in the context of the bigger picture, it isn't a great. It's it's it, you've got to accept it. You know what I mean? Like what I will say, and, I, and I'll be honest, with you, if we don't, if we put in that sort of performance against Manchester United and Everton, the the, the people, the 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 Arteta lovers and the ones that are supporting him and everything like that, yeah, right. Saying Everton and Man United, they're the teams we're competing. If we go to those team and play and performance like that in, right, then then you can criticise Arteta and then you can go back to him. Or if you lose to Newcastle, I don't, you know, I don't expect us to lose to, to Newcastle. And I'll tell you what, if we do, that ain't no free free it. I can tell you that now. I, I get that. You know, maybe the word free it is the wrong word to say, but from my point of view. We're in. We we we've gone to Anfield, and we're in this exactly same position as we was before it. So I don't see, you know, damage limitation. It weren't that great. It weren't that great. What would be worse if it's damaged our um, confidence? The way Mikel said about it, I don't think that it will. And I just think we just got to forget about this one and move on. There is a lot of tension in the in in the. Uh, Afterwards, in, in the stands, because uh, Gary, you got to understand this. People have spent a lot of money. I was talking to a fella, spent a lot of money going up there. You got to get a hotel and everything like that, and you're getting stuff. Of course, emotions are going to be high. No one wants to get stuffed, and no one wants to get beat. But we did, so we move on now. And what is important now is that we go and beat Newcastle. We then go and beat Manchester United and Everton. And I can tell you that now. I'm, I'm saying this now. I'm 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 filling out with people saying fourth, uh, sorry eighth and all that. Arsenal Football Club, as as from now, we will should be aiming for top four. We're three points better off than Man United are favourites for it, right? They've got Chelsea next week, right? If it goes as it as it should do, we should beat Newcastle. They they lose to Chelsea. We can then go and be nine points in front of them if we if we be positive and put in a performance at Old Trafford. You know, why should we not be thinking going for fourth? And I think that we should be. And then we'll see what happens in the transfer winner. As for, I'm going to say about Tavares, Tavares, yeah, for me, he's made a mistake. But for me, he should have started because Tierney, before he got dropped, sorry, before he got injured, wasn't playing that well. If he was playing absolutely outstandingly well, I would accept it. Like, you know what I mean? But he wasn't playing that well. Tavares deserves to start. For me, Tierney comes back in now. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, you know, I, it's so easy, isn't it, to look at kind of um, the the hindsight and and to say, oh, you know, Tierney should have played. But ultimately, as you say, Lee, Nuno Tavares didn't put a foot wrong for weeks. And so why should he have been dropped from the team? It certainly wouldn't have been fair. And I always talk about Mikel trying to build a culture at the club whereby players play well and they get rewarded for it. Therefore, you can't then abandon that when it comes to the left-back situation and just throw Kieran Tierney back into the side. I think there's a chance he comes into the side now because Tavares has made a mistake and that's probably the way it should work. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, we've got to be, we've got to be fair in our assessment. I think we've got to understand that Liverpool are just a much better side than us at this moment in time. Somebody asked me in the comments on this channel earlier on today, because I used the term free hit as well, and I took a lot of heat for it too. And people were saying to me, well, what are the games in the Premier League that are, are a free hit to you? And I said, Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea, because those three teams, in my opinion, are miles better than anything else in the division. Mm -hmm. So I think when you look at those teams, 
If you get anything from them, great, it's a bonus. But that's not what's going to be the difference between Arsenal getting in the top four or not, between Arsenal getting in the top six or not. But there was um, one... Yeah, go ahead. I just quickly come in? Of course you can. Um, the last team to beat him at Anfield was Fulham. I think that was March last year. Fulham were in the Premier League last year, weren't they? Yep. Yeah, so the, last year they lost three home games in a row, I think, at least three. I think they lost 4-1 to Man City. Then they lost to Chelsea and they lost to Fulham. So I think what about with their fans, Irv Graham? Pardon? What about with their fans, Irv? They had no players as well. Last year, they lost, I can't remember. Did they lose to Burnley with the fans in there the previous season? I think the Burnley did them, didn't they, at Anfield, in that shock result. Yeah, there's a lot. But, but they, they, feed off, they feed off the energy of the crowd, don't they? When the crowd are not there, I mean, the crowd, Liverpool are a, a, a team that feed off energy. It's the way... The way they play, isn't it? It's all high-tempo energy. It's like Salah and Mane. They come alive around the penalty box of energy. I think, just coming back to Harry's point just quickly, I think we have to be the best of the rest. And, and I think if you look at those top three clubs, uh, Man City have won three of the last four Premier Leagues. Liverpool have won the Premier League and won the Champions League. And uh, Chelsea won the Champions League last season. Now, if you, those three clubs dropped into any other league in Europe, They'd probably be the top three sides in Europe in the in their leagues, respective leagues. You tell me a league where those three teams wouldn't be in the top three or four places. I can't think of one. I think our, the Premier League now, for me, is as strong, if not stronger, than any league. Probably Bayern Munich, you could argue. Maybe PSG. Um, Harry, your knowledge of Italian football, you could find me an Italian team. But I think those three sides are, are out of sight, literally out of sight. Now. So the aim for Arsenal really is to be the best of the rest. And that's that's the simple point I want to make, Harry. Yeah, completely. We're agreed. on course for that, Graham. We're on course for that. We're three yeah. points off the top four. Exactly. You know, we're three points off the top four after going to Anfield, after going to to Manchester City. So I don't see where everybody where the criticism's coming from. Like you know, listen. And the other thing is, don't judge. You know, I, you know, I'm not convinced about Mikel Arteta, right? But don't judge him on the Liverpool game and start thinking right, that's it. Uh, um, that he's not good enough or whatever, like, you know, he was out, out for, you know, are we going to argue on the situation that Klopp's a better coach than him? I'm certainly, Klopp, Klopp, Klopp is elite. You know, Mikel was trying to become an elite manager. He's nowhere near in his class. We know that, you know. And listen, for, for me, the biggest, biggest point I want to take out of that game is that half-time, right, I'm thinking we were still in the game. The last two times that I've gone up there at half-time, I could have gone home, right, there and then, because we was done. We was cooked. Take us out of the oven. We're, fin we're cooked. We're done. But we wasn't. And it was then in the second half. We, you know, who knows what would have happened with Tyra, but we made a, a, a mistake. We were then 2-0 down. Listen, game's over then, guys. It was over. And I'll tell you I something now, right, because of what's happened with Brighton and all that, they were never going to step off the gas like they did against Brighton and make that mistake again. They weren't going to do that. They made sure that they was going to win that game and they'd done it. Yeah, I think we haven't won up there since 2012. The last time we won up there was 2012. Uh, I think Cazorla and Podolski got the goals. I think Arteta was in the team that day. So that's the last time we won up there. We've conceded something like 36 goals against Klopp's Liverpool in the last 12 games. We've conceded... More more than three goals in 11 of the last 15 competitive games in all competitions against Klopp. 
The only game I can remember, Lee, where we went up there and had a different game plan was under Harry's favourite manager, Emery. Uh, when we went up there and uh, we were pretty competitive in that game, he, he played that day with just Pepe and Aubameyang on the break and we played very defensively and we held out to about three minutes before half-time like we did on Saturday. Mm. Same sort of scenario. We conceded just before half-time from a set piece from Matic and then David Luiz committed Harry Carey at the start of the second half, got himself sent off, I think, and we ended up losing the game 3-1. But that, that game we were competitive, playing... Uh, literally counter-attack but every other game up there you're right we've been smashed so yeah, we can't look liverpool are you know they've recently won the champions league they're strong favorites for the premier league this year under clock i think they're pressing it was very brave to go up there and play that way out so actually risk be reward I, I i think that to play that way at anfield is incredibly brave as harry says to stick by your principles I do think it was a, a, a risk too far. I'm not saying we shouldn't play out to, to an extent, but I think we should be looking to go long more from the back. The problem yeah, is we, we haven't got like what I would call a really tall aerial presence, centre-forward, who's a physical player. Now, the, the teams who've had most success against Liverpool at Anfield, funny enough, uh, haven't seen things with physical right. presence. That's, that's Bright, Brighton and Man City have gone there and literally flooded the midfield and played... False nines. That's Man City and Brighton. They've both got 2-2 two, two draws. But the teams that have had a lot of success against them this season, I think, are teams with those old-fashioned physical centre-forwards. Tony at Brentford and Marco Antonio at West Ham. When they went to the London Road Stadium two weeks ago, West Ham bullied them with their physicality, didn't they? Absolutely bullied them from corners. And Antonio was a handful. So their centre-halves don't like physicality. We haven't got those sort of players, have we? So if you're talking about one thing maybe we might look to do moving forward if Arteta's going to carry on wanting to play this way I think he's got to get a striker in who's a physical aerial yeah, presence I mean, who can we haven't got a striker to sort out and do it a, a different way and that's that, yeah. you know you're saying about the press and everything right and I, I agree with that but so he abandoned that when he took off Sambi he said to him, oh, you're, not, you're not doing it and we're going to go down and do, you know he's a kid I would have gone like Go with it. See, see if you can handle it. See if you can deal with it. See if you can get your way out of it. For me, I have to say, he wasn't playing well. But, you know, you have to look at the manager and say, well, what about Saka? He was not in that game whatsoever. Change it. Try and get down the channels. Try and let the fullbacks are bombing on. Can we can we get in behind them and expose Van Dyke and, and, and Massey on, on the flanks? We didn't try none of that. That was my disappointment of, of, of it. But the other point is about... You know, Liverpool, the Liverpool game. I don't judge, I'm not going to judge Mikel on that one because everybody's turning around and saying these three teams are right. But I'll tell you what, I will judge him against Man United and Everton, and I will be there because they're the teams in and around that we should be competing with now. Agreed. That is where Mikel Arteta will, if he does what he does and he doesn't do it, I will be on his back. But when it's Liverpool at this moment in time, but I can tell you this now, next year, I want us going to Liverpool, and I want us competing. I want to. I don't want to see us capitulating Liverpool against Liverpool next season because it's another year of process down the line. So he's got the, he's got this these games now to sort it out and make sure that we are ready for this. You know this this challenge of Liverpool, Man City, and um, uh, uh, and Chelsea, and, and 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 I think that he can. I, I, we're a young side and learning, and hopefully we can do. The, the biggest point and the criticism I'm going to have for Mikel, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, was 
Saka in that game there is a baller. He's not a player that's going to be chasing around players and everything like that. Take him off when he did. And and Aubameyang, again, if you're going to play that sort of way, you've got to... I don't know, you, you watch it on TV. It looked to me, every time the ball comes up to him, he's uncomfortable. He's not comfortable with his back towards... You know, goal. He's not comfortable with that. He's he's an off the shoulder sort of striker. That so he's being asked to do a job that he's not comfortable doing. Would you agree that? And I'll come to Mark on this. Would you agree that we're obviously trying to play in a certain way? Okay, we're trying to start play from the back. We we struggled against Liverpool, who are incredibly good, as we've all said, at pressing high up the pitch and cutting out those passing lanes. We struggled to progress the ball through the lines, and then. We did, If you, I watched the game back yesterday, and we did on a few occasions go that little bit longer. But now we're in this place where we've got at least the style of play and we've got a back line that is Mikel Arteta's. We've got a midfield that is Mikel Arteta's on the pitch, although Thomas Partey certainly wasn't at the races, whether that was down to fitness or what. You know, I'm sure we can debate that. But now we're missing the next piece, which is the forward. And it feels to me like Arsenal during the summer, realised obviously they can't do every single bit of business, right? They can't yeah. bring in 11 players in the summer. But now we're at the point where we're seeing that the forwards we have are not fit for purpose. And we're, it was a position that we thought we could get by on. But actually, if we want to play this way, Mark, there will be times where we can't break the lines and therefore we have to go that bit longer. And so now we need strikers that fit this game plan, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. This this is going to be, you know, as you quite rightly say, the final pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. You know, we've, um, there's big question marks over Lacker's future because of the contract situation. So January, in an ideal situation, he will sign a contract or we will use him as bait slash make weight in a deal. Um, worst case scenario, he signs a pre-contract with somebody else and just... Oskis for nothing, um, in which case all we will have off the back of it is the wages fund to entice somebody else. So, which is possible, you know, other people around the globe come up for free transfers and, you know, on Lacazette's salary, we can entice somebody. So, yes, that is the next area of the pitch we've got to do there. You know, Uber is done, probably. His stats would suggest that his best days are behind him. Um, I don't want to see Arsenal Football Club giving a 300 grand a week contract to anybody else ever again that isn't under the age of 25, 27 years old, you know, with their best years ahead of them. I don't want to be paying anybody 300 grand a week who's going to decline uh, in value by the end of it. So that's a lesson we have to learn. Um, Pepe also... He's not favoured by this manager and he seems to be a sort of guy that needs love and, and um, consistent game time. You know, you look at his stats um, last year, I think nearly 30 games, 10 goals and assist, pretty good. This season, seven games he's played, um, or seven appearances rather, um, and nothing, you know, to show for it, really. Um, so you could argue that all of those front three are, are not really hitting the ground. So can we get something for Pepe? Can we use Laka? It, it's, it's a big January, but, you know, I, I agree with what Lee says. We won't be judged on the top three this year. Um, 
we know that if you're going to win the league, if you're going to compete for places, when you go to, you know, let's say you're going for the league, you, if, you, if you're going to go to Anfield, in an ideal world, you get out of there with a draw and then you beat them at home. And if you do that, you win the league. If, if you do that against Chelsea, if you do that against City, whatever, you're in with a good shot at winning the league. You know, we're not in that bracket. So we've got to look at Manchester United, Everton. We've got to be going to their grounds getting points and then beating them at home. And if we do that, we'll finish top six. That's the expectation for me, for Arteta, is to get us back into Europe this year. And then he will have January and the summer window to revamp the front line to finish the squad. And next season, he will have you know, a huge amount of pressure leading up to this point, the international break or the World Cup. Um, if we're not where we need to be by the time the World Cup comes around and he's been backed in those two windows, he probably will be gone. And I have to say that that will probably be right because he will have had his time and he will have had his squad and he will have been backed. But I still believe he's, this squad is in a better shape now than what it was when he came. I believe that. Um, and yes, I think you're right. I think January is big. We need a plan B up top. Yeah, I mean, Dan, let me come to you, mate, because there's there's quite a bit of discussion going on in the chat. Big hello to Sophie as well uh, of the Highbury squad. Make sure you check out the Highbury squad. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed over there as well. Great content on a daily basis. So make sure you get involved. Um, Sophie's not happy, Dan, with the way we got beat. Um, and, and what Sophie's done is, is pointed to a couple of teams that have managed to get results against Liverpool this season. And I, I guess he's making the point, of, well, if Brentford could get a result, if West Ham could get a result, why can't Arsenal? I would argue that you're talking about one-off games and so many things need to be... It almost needs to be the perfect storm for substantially weaker sides to get results against Liverpool, i.e. you have to beat your absolute maximum. They have to be off the boil. And, and Liverpool weren't off the boil on Saturday. Liverpool were very bloody good. I, I just don't understand why we're looking at individual games you know it that's the beauty of football right an individual game can throw up a surprise this wasn't a surprise this was as it should have gone why do you think you know people are looking at the way other teams have played against Liverpool and can we make those comparisons because I don't think that's fair I think you can make the comparisons Harry against teams that are lower than us I think if you're saying well Chelsea went there and didn't lose 4-0 and neither did Man City I could understand that perhaps Sophie was talking a bit of nonsense but I'm a big fan of what Sophie does and me and her are on the same wavelength normally. And I, I am no, with no, her. Can, I'm, not, I'm not slagging off Sophie, but I'm just... Oh, I, no, no, no. I know you're yeah. not, mate. I know you're, I know you're not. Um, and I feel the reason I'm going to go and understand what she's saying is because West Ham, Brighton and Brentford didn't gift Liverpool four goals like Arsenal just did. So where my mindset is and where it still stands and the reason I'm not convinced by this project is because when you've got young players and you go with a young team that's going to be inconsistent and make mistakes, you need a manager that is proven and good enough and experienced enough to take that team through. And we've got youngsters all over the pitch and youngsters on the sideline and youngsters upstairs. So for me, it's just too many youngsters. We need some experienced heads around the place. Now, unfortunately, our experienced heads have got a poor mentality, in my opinion, because they've been the mentality of the previous regime, like the Aubameyangs and Lacazettes, that I think have probably come to the end of their time at Arsenal. So I feel like what Sophie's saying there is that we are getting embarrassed when Brentford, Brighton and uh, West Ham aren't. And that is what is embarrassing in itself. But I still believe, Harry, 
that what Mark is saying is bang on because it shouldn't be right what he's saying, but it kind of is. Because if your performances up top are not scoring goals, whether or not you think Lacazette is a great mix for us, I like what he's been doing link up play wise. He ain't been scoring goals though. I can't remember the last time he scored a goal. I can't remember the last time Erdogan did anything when he's coming on. I mean, that sub is just hilarious, mate. I don't understand this player at all. Doesn't score, doesn't assist, doesn't do anything. Just comes on and runs around. It's like a Mesut Ozil situation all over again. So I think we need something to either change in the tactics or something to change in the personnel. Um, I don't really understand how Aubameyang can score 30 goals under Unai Emery, but he can't score 30 under Arteta. Surely there's a change of system formation that doesn't suit him. Our stats, attacking-wise, are with Burnley and Norwich, bro. That's how poor we are going forward. So something's wrong there with our style of play, isn't it? Because Aubameyang and Lacazette have never been compared to Timo Pukki and Chris Wood. But right now they are. So is that they're now no good enough and we need to replace them and upgrade them? Or is it the system doesn't suit them so we need to then get somebody else in that fits his system? That's what I'm not sure about. Now, we're linked with Vlahovic. We're linked with Alexander Izak. We're linked with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yes, they're the type of strikers I think we need. But if we bring them in, are we still going to see the same style of play? Because that's my worry and concern is the style of play or lack of style of play to score goals is really worrying. We might be okay at the back or better, but we're still getting spanked five and four nil, by the way, (laughs) in certain games. And we've shipped two goals to Brentford, two goals to Chelsea, you know, five to City, four to Liverpool. It ain't like we're defensively stable now. So something's got to give. You've got to get that balance right. And so far in 20 odd months, Mikel Arteta has not got the balance right at all. And the stats prove it. So I don't know if it's a style thing or if it's a lack of players thing, but I personally believe that even if it is a bit of both, we need to change it in January, not like in the summer. Now, everyone knows we need a couple of strikers, a couple of centre midfielders, a backup right back that's an upgrade on Cedric and a backup goalkeeper when Leno goes. That's what we now need. So if those players come in, in between January and the summer, I think we're all happy. But Are we then going to look again and say, have we got a style of play yet? This is just taking a little bit long for me before we can start to see where we're at. I'm with Lee Judges, Newcastle, United and Everton. I will accept seven, but I want nine points. Yeah, Yeah, Harry, Harry, can I just quickly come in and just add something to the debate that Sophie raises? Um, Just uh, around the results in the Premier League. I mean, if you look at the other top clubs, uh, uh, Manchester City have lost at home this year to Crystal Palace. Uh, and uh, Chelsea the other week couldn't beat Burnley at home, right? So there's an argument also that the Premier League does throw up results. It is a competitive league. Although the top three are way ahead of the rest, there's always going to be the odd result like that. So if you look at it, Anfield 5.30 on a Saturday night under lights um, was always going to be giving Liverpool, I think, a better chance of beating us, as that might sound a bit crazy, uh, but but they would have probably beaten us anyway if it had been three o'clock in the afternoon. But I'm just saying the Premier League is very competitive now, very competitive. So there's always going to be the odd smaller team who goes to a big team and plays well. I'm pretty sure if Brentford played Liverpool at the moment, the way Brentford are playing at the moment, they probably wouldn't get that result. And when they played them early in the season, like when they played us, they were, they took us by surprise on the opening day. They were playing well at home early in the season. Their results have dipped lately. Sometimes it's when you play clubs. Yeah, well, um, so I'm not making excuses. Graham beat Liverpool and they've gone and lost to Wolves. 
coming fourth best in the league. But for us at the moment, that would be an achievement. So I'm not going to start getting the party poppers out and the champagne popping out. But what I will do is say that's progress. And I'm definitely happy that we're moving forward with this manager because I know people think I hate this manager. I don't actually hate Mekad. I'd say I actually like him. I just don't think he's ready for the job. And I don't think the owner should have put him in there. I wanted to see somebody much more proven than him. So I believe personally that if we go on another run, we are definitely in the mix to being the best of the rest, which is I agree with Graham, what he was saying. Sorry, Lee, I wanted to come in there. Just just to to wrap up on this point, guys, and then we're going to take a few questions from the chat box. So start getting your questions in. Pop a little cue uh, at the beginning of them so it's easier for me to pick them out in the chat. Also, while you're at it, make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new and make sure you subscribe to Lee Judges TV. If you click on the link in the title, it will take you straight over there. But just to round up on this point about, you know, what I believe to be an overreaction to the defeat at Anfield. You look at this here, and this is the Premier League table since the first three games, right? We all know that that was a disaster class, right? We all know it was a shit show. And what we're looking at is how Arsenal have progressed since then. Only Chelsea and Manchester City have taken more points than Arsenal in that nine games, in that nine-game period. We've all agreed that Chelsea and Manchester City and Liverpool are on a different level to Arsenal. You can't ask for much more than that from this last run of games. And that's the point that I I just want to really hammer home because we can sit there and we can talk about a one-off game, which was the trip to Anfield not being good enough. But ultimately, over the course of the season, if we maintained this level of form, which is no guarantee, it would really, really stand us in good stead. And this is where people need to calm down a little bit. If we don't beat Newcastle and then we go and get beaten at Man United, by all means, stick the boot in. Say that maybe it was a false dawn. But just like if we had beat Liverpool on Saturday, I wouldn't have been sitting here saying we're title contenders now because we beat Liverpool because that would be an overreaction. So let's mm. not have the overreaction when we no, lose right. a single game. Yeah, that's, that's, I, th- I think, Harry, this time ways. last year we were we were in the middle of that dire run, were we? We lost last year at home to Villa, home to Leicester, lost away at Tottenham. And in this unbeaten run, those are the teams we've beaten this year. So remember, this time last year, the football we were playing was dire and the results were awful. Could have cost Arteta his job last year. But this year, the results are better. Admittedly, four of those six teams we've beaten have sacked their managers, just to put it in perspective. But for all that, I think we are in a better place than we were this time last year. I think you have to... There's no doubt in that. that. All I'll say about Harry's lovely little table there is, if it was 38, not nine, then I'll be really happy where we finished. (laughs) (laughs) We've gone on this winning run since Jack has been at the team, Dan. (laughs) <laughs> let's, uh, let, let, let's take a couple of questions then to, to wrap up the show um, Dan, this one comes from Dan Price I'm going to put this one to you Graham um, what should the plan be for January in response to yesterday's game Maitland-Niles, Lekonga, Odegaard clearly not up to starting week in, week out just yet that's Dan's opinion I, I'm in this place where I've been saying Graham for, for weeks now that we need to sort out the midfield in January that for me is the biggest concern Partey African Cup of Nations, El Neni African Cup of Nations. And we don't know how long it's going to be exactly until Granit Xhaka's back fit and available. But watching the game and analysing the game again when I watched it back yesterday, I'm starting to think that the centre-forward position is just as important right now. Where yeah. are you and what should be the priority for January? Well, I think you've just answered your own question. The centre-forward position and the centre-mid positions, the positions for me, we need to strengthen. 
Uh, obviously, losing party is a massive blow. Uh, Jacker will be back, of course. Um, I just think we need a, another central midfield player. I think our central midfield, for me, is not good enough. Uh, <clears throat> I just don't see it when I look at other central midfields. I mean, you look at Liverpool on Saturday. I know, again, it's not probably the ideal benchmark, but Thiago and Fabinho are on a different level. Um, and you look at Chelsea. I mean, these top teams, what they do is they keep the ball really well. And that's something that I don't think we do. I think that party was probably not fit Saturday, but I didn't think he imposed himself on the game. We need somebody, two things we need from our central midfield. We need somebody who can impose themselves on the game from central midfield, but we need to keep the ball better in central midfield. I don't think we do that. When you keep the ball well in central midfield, your fullbacks can get high knowing that confidence that your midfield player is going to keep the ball. That's what Chelsea have got. That's why their wing-backs are able to stay so high all the time, because they dominate. Their central midfield players, Georgia, Gino and Kante, keep the ball really well, as do Liverpool's, as do Man City's. And even other sides, lower down the league, have got midfielders who keep the ball. We don't seem to have what I would call quality midfielders. I mean, I know party Jacka, we say, is a good combination. I do think we need to go out and, set, and strengthen in central midfield. I mean, for me, the person I really wanted was Basuma. I just think he had something in that area that we need. But I do think we need a central midfielder. Uh, and, you know, the jury's still out on Odegaard, isn't it? Uh, he's come into the side early in the season as a creative spark. Uh, and I agree with Dan. He's, his numbers are not great recently. and He's lost his place in the team. Um, but I think central midfield, I don't think we're going to get a striker. We, we're being linked to Blavich, aren't we? Fiorentina. Like Newcastle are being linked to him as well. So I do think we need a a centre forward really I just think it's unusual I know we've got a Bamiang in January but I just don't see us getting a an upgrade in January in that area I think centre midfield you'd be looking around uh, who's the guy at Leipzig um, they've been linked with is it Tyler Adams is it yeah yeah he's a bit I wouldn't go for Tyler Adams as a central midfielder. I think he's a bit of a utility player, which... Yeah, look, I I just think you are right. I do think we need to find... Arteta needs to find uh, upgrades and even find centre mids, you know, find someone to come in, certainly to cover for Partey. I don't... He's going to keep Elneny now, of course, isn't he? Is Elneny not going away? Well, the the interesting thing, Graham, is, is that when Edu's been speaking about where we're going next... And I actually had the, the the pleasure of speaking to him for it wasn't a long, um, you know, long conversation, but I got to meet him at the premiere of the Wenger film uh, a couple of weeks yeah. ago. And one of lovely, the things Eddie said, by the way, mate, with you with uh, a he looked really happy, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he looked delighted. He looked delighted. Um, it's probably about the 3000th picture he'd taken, that's probably why. Um, but one of the things Eddie was saying was that, and I know he said this before, but he was saying. Now that the strategy in the transfer market is going to be different, we've done the heavy lifting. We've moved out a, a big volume of players. We've brought in six players in the summer. Now we can go into transfer windows, looking at one or two positions and looking to add superior quality. Yeah, but but we're going to see that now, aren't we? With the next yeah, couple of windows. Don't you think that was strange what you said? Because I remember at the start of the season when he said that, it was almost like they decided that, one minute they were selling Jacker to Roma, the next minute they decided that they didn't want to bring anyone in better than Jacker because they saw Jacker and Party as the centre midfield partnership for the season. Uh, which to me, you know, and Lekonga was like backup. He, he sort of like saw Lekonga as backup. I, 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 I was horrified to hear that, to be honest, because I just think, first of all, 
if you're deciding that Jacker, or you're going to sell one minute is what you need in centre mid, I think I'll question the rationale there. But surely you need to bring in another quality centre midfielder to compete. You look at Chelsea, they've got three quality centre mids. That's what we lack, proper quality centre midfielders. Uh, and, I, and I just think they need to change their thinking on that, if that's what you're saying, Harry. No, that, that, that's the point I'm making. We're going to see now if they are going to bring in another stopgap midfielder or if yeah. they're going to say, right, you know, we've done the heavy lifting. Now it's time that we look for a midfielder that is going to come in and be part of the furniture for a while. That's the point I'm making. We're going to see in January and probably more so in the summer if that is indeed the plan and they're going to execute it. I think that, we, yeah. you know, the words, they don't mean anything until they actually make it happen. So let's... But we, we're, light, we're light in central midfield, whether party goes or not for me. I do Agreed. think we need Agreed. another centre mid. Agreed. Who, whoever that guy is remains to be seen, but we certainly need another quality centre midfielder. We don't keep the ball well enough in central midfield for me. And our centre midfield, I think, is is weak compared to the other teams, even the teams we're competing against, you know? So yeah. I, I, I just think we need an upgrade in, or somebody to come in, you know, to strengthen our central midfield. Yeah, agreed. Let's take this one from Bill Hemmett. Bill, thank you so much, mate, for your very, very kind uh, donation. He says, great show, guys. And I'll put this one to you. Uh, I'll come to Dan on this one. Um, great show, guys. With Aguero having to retire, rumours, of course, rife that Sergio Aguero is going to announce his retirement uh, after some heart problems were discovered. Um he says, is it an opportunity to perhaps let Aubameyang go to Barcelona in January and pick up a striker in the window? I guess let me slightly rephrase that for you, Dan. Would you be looking at an exit plan for Aubameyang from now? I would be looking at an exit plan for Eddie Nketiah, Lacazette and Aubameyang. Whether that's January or the summer or over both of them, those three will be gone in my opinion. And the reason I say that is because I feel like their time's up. Eddie's tried. It's not happening for him. I don't think he's good enough. Aubameyang has had an unbelievable career at Arsenal, in my opinion. And I'm not talking about that because he hasn't won loads of stuff and all this kind of thing. But he has been brilliant for us in terms of his goal scoring. I don't care what anyone says. And he's got a trophy to show for it. But I think it's time for him now to probably move on from Arsenal if Mikel Arteta isn't going to find a way for him to score goals. And Lacazette... I feel like giving him a 250k contract is a bad mistake. We've already done it with Ozil, we've done it with Willian, we've done it with Aubameyang. It doesn't seem to work giving 30-year-old plus contracts like that. So for me, I would be looking at an exit strategy for those three players. I would be getting one in in January and I would be getting a centre midfielder in in January also because I agree with what Graham's saying. I don't feel like in centre midfield we're strong at all. Even with Thomas Partey, he seems to be injury prone. So we definitely need a couple of players in there, whether it's Bruno Gomares, Bissouma, Frank Kessia, Zakaria, all of them have been linked. Vlahovic and Izak would be brilliant for us, I think, up top to replace Lacazette and Aubameyang. But again, it comes down to money. But to answer the question about uh, Barcelona, I think you're more likely to see Lacazette go into Barcelona on a free. Um, and I think Aubameyang may then his head be turned um, if he would like to go with him because they do seem very, very close and Barcelona would definitely want both of them. So it might be an opportunity for us to let them both go and try and move on with our process, project, whatever you want to call it, and get in some younger strikers that maybe suit his system. We definitely need an aerial threat, whether that's Calvert-Lewin or Vlahovic. It's got to be one of those two for me. And if Lacazette goes as well, then Alexander Izak would come in as a kind of a, a Bamiyang replacement or a, he's kind of a Marcus Rashford type player, isn't he, where he's got the pace and power. Um, and hopefully more goals than Rashford because I think he's quite an overrated player. 
So that's the way I see it personally. I'm not sure that, and I'm not sure that Barca would would bite at these two players. To be honest, first of all, because they're on both on big contracts, which Barcelona are in. You know, they're in a difficult spot financially. I don't think they fit Xavi's playing style necessarily either. But I guess for me, the strikers I would, or the striker I would like to see Arsenal move for, who I think is attainable, would be Sevilla's Yusuf and Naziri, because for me, he has the running power the dribbling ability, all the technical attributes, but is also an absolute unit and is very powerful in the air as well. So I think that's the guy that I would look at because I don't think we're shopping necessarily in that very elite bracket. Vlavic is going to cost 80, 85 million euros. Um, I think he thinks he's destined for bigger things. I, I'm not sure that that price is, is worth it based on what I've seen of him. Scored a great goal at the weekend, but I watch a lot of Italian football, and while I think he's a good player, I, I don't know that he's worth 80, 85 million euros at this at this stage, this stage, stage, stage. Um, let's just take two more before we wrap up. Uh, Mark, I'll put this one to you, mate. Regarding the keeping the ball better in midfield, do you think Thomas Partey should be doing better? I feel he's very direct at times. Instead of keeping the ball, he looks for a Hollywood pass or shot. Um, well, he's trying to do everything on his own, isn't he? And he's a settled, experienced player next to him and and I do think that he he's struggling with injuries and then he gets frustrated with himself I think so um, yeah we need to strengthen in that area he, he needs a solid consistent partner doesn't he that, that, you know one man can't do it all uh, you know the team should be based on partnerships and uh, you know teamwork um, so yeah, he needs to calm down a little, but he's getting frustrated, isn't he? That you know things aren't, you know, he's got no outball. So um, that is the issue, isn't it? You know, when you when you're looking up, uh, Saka's run himself into the ground. Smith Rowe, uh, Odegaard's, you know, maybe Odegaard should be sitting next to him. But I mean, I, I like Lukonga and um, you know Sambi. I think he, he's done well, Sambi, in there. So. It's, it's just a time thing, isn't it? But, you know, with um, Partey, he, that's my one concern with him is his fitness, not how he plays the game, because when he plays the game well and he's got support, he's a beast. Um, yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll do well. If he stays fit and he plays well and someone sits in alongside him and settles with him and finds his rhythm with him, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a good season. There's no doubt about that. You know, someone... Just, just chipping back to what you were saying, like somebody like Indeedy from Leicester. I think Leicester are on a bit of a free fall at the moment. I think there's probably Brendan Rodgers and a few of the players would probably take an, an escape route out of that club if they could at the minute. Um, so somebody like Ndidi or Tielemans from, from Leicester. I think maybe Leicester are there for the pickings at the minute. Um, they might accept a, a good bid for some of their players to rebuild again. So that's who I'd go for. Brilliant. Just quickly, Harry, do you think teams sit on Partey? Do you think they see Partey as a oh, danger? Definitely, they seem definitely. To, yeah, they, definitely. He's they, they, to seem to cut out, they seem to sort of like stop him getting passes through to our front. It's almost like he's a target now. I know it's they Liverpool. They definitely did. They definitely, Liverpool, Liverpool did on Saturday did. stopped yeah. him, didn't they? And I noticed when he was at Brighton, they were blocking the passing lanes from getting on Partey, stopping feeding into Odegaard. I think he's a player who opposition look at. You think they... He's a key to Arsenal playing well. So they literally try and stop him from playing. I think he's got to find a way to impose himself on the games more. Yeah, I think for me, I, I agree with what, what Mark's assessment was overall, that 
ultimately, for me, I'm not worried about the way Partey plays the game. I'm more worried about the fitness issue yeah. with him because yeah. it's not just about being available, i.e. fit enough to be on the pitch. It's, are you at your best? And he wasn't <laughs> at his best. And it's not the first time since he's come to the Arsenal where he's come back from injury or supposedly been fit enough to start a game and looked way off the pace. It's a big worry for me. Um, why is that? Why is that then, Dan? Mm-hmm. Because mean? we ain't got no one else. Yeah, That's exactly. what why is he? Why is he always struggling for fitness? Then he was he was never unfit at Atletico Madrid, was he? No, he wasn't. He's had a couple of knocks. I also say, you know, the Premier League is is physically a little bit different and all that, but. Ultimately, we're rushing him back because we haven't got strength in that midfield. You know, what I mean, everybody was glad to see Party playing on on Saturday, uh, regardless whether he was fit or not. Then, then halfway through, you realise that he's not fit. Shows that we're desperate. Yeah, we're desperate. Completely agree. Um, let's just say a big thanks to uh, Simranjit Singh for his very, very kind donation as well. He says, "Great show, thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it." But to wrap up the show. I'm going to ask uh, Lee Judges to look into his crystal ball. We all know that Lee Judges has got a crystal ball, or at least he's got some famous friends that he sits with at the Emirates Stadium, so he might have some <laughs> inside information. Looking at the January window, Judge, uh, we all agree that there's a couple of positions that we probably need to do some work in, um, most notably the centre-forward position and the centre-midfield. I think they're the two areas that people are probably a little bit concerned about. What do you actually think Arsenal will do in January, though? Because I'm not convinced you're going to see a couple of marquee signings come in. I'd be pleasantly surprised if we did. But I'm thinking that January might be a bit underwhelming. What are you predicting is going to happen in the January window? I I see what you're saying, but I do think that if they can get a couple of players out, i.e. Eddie and Lacazette, I think they will bring in a forward. I think it's crucial to the way we play and the way we set up and play, that this moment in time, it's not working. And I think that if... It's not rocket science. I think we could maybe get away with a midfield, even though I'd like to see someone come in there. But I do think that they're going to go big for a centre-forward. I think they will. Fingers crossed, because I I certainly think we need one at this moment in time. Right, we are going to leave it there. It's been a great catch-up, as always, with the guys. Thank you to everyone for your interaction in the live chat, for your uh, donations. Make sure you hit the like button on your way out. I I hate asking people to do it, but it is so, so important for the channel. Um, Lee, just before uh, we go, can you tell people how they can check out Lee Judges TV? Because we do this show across the two channels. Uh, So how can people check it out? Where can they find it? Yeah, you can just find it on the Lee Judges TV uh, on YouTube. Um, we're also on um, Instagram and uh, on Twitter. And, and just follow us on that. Um, give us some subscribe. And we're doing all different things. Um, I think we've got Warren Barton coming up this week, um, talking about the Newcastle-Arsenal uh, game. So um, some good things to look forward to. And, of course, you can catch fan cams. We do, like, different fan cams to what uh, everybody else does. We just, like, give we'll gather our little opinions. So give it a check out and um, see you over there. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you give Mark a follow on Twitter. You can see his uh, handle on the screen there at Shade Chaser One. <laughs> give Dan a follow at Dan Arsenal 87. You can also find Dan on Lee Judges TV and you can find Graham's fantastic tactical insight shows over on AFTV. Make sure you check out the guys. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the like button. We'll be back very soon. Until next time. Goodbye.
You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. 